Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss new ideas that can shape a sustainable food system from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert DeGraff, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we'd like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, The Nature Conservancy, Rabobank, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Food Systems. Today we're talking to Jeroen Kandel. He is the Associate Professor of Food and Agricultural Policy at Wageningen University and studies how governments can support the transition to sustainable food systems. He is also one of the editors of a recent book, only available in Dutch for now, called 10 Billion Mouths, How to Feed the World in 2050. Uh, not only that, he is also one of the speakers at the FFA 2021 Policy Week event on the Farm to Fork policy, which is what we will be discussing today. Uh, Jeroen, thank you very much for joining Food Systems today. Pleasure to, to join there, Robert. Um, I wanna, as, as I mentioned, uh, your event will be about the Farm to Fork. It will take place on Tuesday, March 16 at 10.30. Listeners can still register. And I wanted to focus today on the producer side of the Farm to Fork policy. Um, now, you recently co-wrote a paper for the journal Nature about the potential of change for the farm to fork. You note in that paper that the European Union is ambiguous as to what it means by a sustainable food system. Can you give us your own definition of what a sustainable food system is? Yeah, sure. I think in a basic sense, in a very general sense, a sustainable food system is one uh, that respects the uh, the planetary boundaries, while at the same time also staying within the the well, sort of the social boundaries. Uh, so also respecting the social foundation of the food system. And, and at the moment, we see that the food system is is not respecting both of these boundaries. Uh, so if we look at the contributions to climate emissions, nitrogen emissions, loss of biodiversity uh, on the planetary side, while also the labor conditions in the food chain, the position of, of other creatures, uh, animals in the food system, then I think there are some major challenges to be overcome in the current European, uh, as well as the global food system. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the farm to fork strategy, which is the European part of the European Commission's response to some of these fundamental challenges you mentioned. Uh, some, of the, some of the more eye-catching targets, I think, are the ones that are discussed a lot. Three that I've picked out are the 50% reduction of chemical and hazardous crop protection, 20% reduction use in fertilizers, and converting 25% of the EU's farmland to organic farming. Of those three big key goals, which do you think is the most realistic and can the EU actually achieve by its stated goal of 2030? Well, I think all three of them are, are realistic. It is possible to, to achieve those goals if we use the right instruments, right intervention. The question is, are we prepared for the consequences of these, of, of these goals, eh, of, of these interventions? Do we have the alternatives in place to actually mitigate the loss of, of say, chemical um, pesticides? So I think we all agree, or at least we scientists agree, that there is a need for, uh, say, reducing chemical inputs. But at the same time, we also see that investments in alternatives are lagging behind. So we see a lot of emphasis on, on reducing these, these chemical inputs, 
But at the same time, we see that the investments in alternatives are, are still too small and there's still too uh, little knowledge also among food producers about, well, how they could do things differently in the future. And so I think there is a lot of work to be done in the next 10 years in also preparing food producers, but also other food chain actors in, in making that transition. I'm not saying it's impossible, uh, not at all. Um, but I think at present, we're too much focused on, on regulation and regulatory ambitions uh, and invest too little in, um, in innovation and, and also helping farmers, uh, food producers to, to make this transition. Uh, now, we've had a number of guests on, on this podcast who have talked about similar issues. And, and one of the issues that we keep returning to, or at least that I keep returning to in my own thinking about this, is is all of this possible? Can we achieve these these high goals and better biodiversity standards without getting farmers essentially better incomes? And should we consider raising the price of, of food? Well, of course it's possible. I think... Uh, the current food system is is not a pre-given. Uh, it's it's a result of deliberate political choices. Uh, so it also implies that if we want to change the food system, we can do so. Right? It's it's a matter of of political courage, I would say. In terms of of the costs, one of the main reasons for why farmers currently struggle to to earn an income from farming or at least in some sectors eh, because there are also farming sectors that are highly profitable uh, uh, for example dutch horticulture, horticulture is, is very profitable uh, but for some sectors intensive livestock uh, dairy farming we see that incomes are under pressure and i think part of the reason is that european farmers are still too much focused on uh, on bulk production on the quantity of production rather than the quality and, and the sustainability of production and so this is exactly the transition that is needed from a primary focus on increasing productivity, producing more, increasing our, our export position, so to say, towards one in which we shift the focus towards the, the, the nutritious quality of the foods that we produce, the, the sustainability impacts of these, these, these products, uh, the impacts in, in a more general sense on our public health, animal welfare not to forget uh, so this is the the transition that is needed and then we also need to think about okay how can we change the incentive structures to make this possible um, and in terms of prices we should not forget that we already pay much more for our food than we currently pay in, in, in the supermarket eh? but we do so indirectly via our taxes eh? so if you look at the costs of, of solving the climate crisis of tackling these public health environmental challenges Food is already way more expensive than, than we think when we're shopping. We just talked about those those sort of eye-catching targets, the reduction of pesticides, fertilizers, increased organic. With your knowledge, if you, if you were to advise the Dutch government, for example, how would you sell these targets to Dutch farmers? And what do you believe they would need in their own arsenal to achieve these transformations on their own farms? Yeah. Well, if we look at the Netherlands specifically, and, and over the last two or three years, the the situation has has heated up. Eh? There's a lot of polarization in the in the public debate on the future of food and agriculture, with the big farmer protests over the last year. Uh, but I think what farmers need mostly is to have a clear perspective. Eh? What they are most frustrated about is that 
that these that these standards that these 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 rules change every so many years and that with a new government or with a new CAP we also see a change in in what is expected from them and so what I think farmers need most is to have clarity about the long-term uh, objectives that they need to contribute towards uh, in their daily businesses and uh, you could then translate these objectives into well specific targets for for an individual farm farmers are entrepreneurs or at least they they strive to be uh, and as an entrepreneur if you make investment decisions you need to have long-term certainty and clarity uh, and i think that is the main thing that is currently lacking uh, both at national but also at EU level. I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the CAP, the Common Agricultural Policy. It's clear from the Farm to Fork documents and from a lot of the Commission's public statements that they expect that the CAP and the Farm to Fork should be quite well integrated through the new national strategic plans. How do you foresee this cooperation, for lack of a better word, going? Well, I think it's a serious challenge. I mean, um... I see that the Commission is very uh, ambitious, and 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 that they are doing everything within their powers to to strictly monitor the process of of developing these national strategic plans, uh, putting pressure on the member states to to show ambition. But well, what I said within their powers, that's also the the problem. Uh, they have relatively limited formal powers to actually force the member states to well to adopt adopt ambitious targets uh, there are there is no clear monitoring framework for for these national strategic plans so the risk that exists is that well first of all a number of member states just don't have the ambition uh, while that in member states that that might be more ambitious in, in 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 trying to move their agricultural sector towards more sustainable farming practices that in these countries farmers and, and political parties will protest because they're afraid of well a, a a race to the bottom so to say they don't want to compete with colleagues in other eu member states who do not have to comply to the same standards and at the moment the european commission has very few or or, or, or hardly any uh, formal tools to more coercively steer the member states towards more ambition in terms of uh, improving uh, on, on these environmental sustainability uh, outcomes. Now, of course, one of the ways the commissions would say that it, it does have that way of enforcement is, is through the payment mechanism, through the national envelopes, where they say they, uh, there's, an, there's an ability to, to maybe not pay as much to member states that are not living up to, our, to their obligations. Do you think that this is a sort of a, a serious viable mechanism with which essentially the power of the purse? Yeah, I think that the threat itself might be might be uh, effective, but I wonder whether whether the commission will in the end really be able to do so. Eh? So if we look at what the law, eh, so the CAP legislation asks of member states, those requirements are, are mainly procedural. Eh? Member states have to uh, develop a national strategic plan in which they indicate how uh, how their national actions will contribute to a number of overarching objectives. There is no requirements on the effectiveness of these ambitions or these, these national measures. Uh, so my expectation or my view is that the Commission can only hold member states to accountable for, for these procedural uh, requirements uh, and, and not so much for the effectiveness of, well, of the things they promise. And this is the 
I think the main challenge in, in, in this whole NSP process that, well, on paper much is possible, but, but, but how are you going to steer those member states, those political actors that do not share that ambition uh, in, towards the right direction? Especially when they themselves have a seat on the European Council at the same time and, and, and have their own ways of, of blocking any such transformation. Yeah, exactly. And we know that, that some, uh, some politicians and some member states, they, they, they have a, a huge interest in, in maintaining the CAP system as it is. Uh, so uh, it is a bit of a corrupted system in that sense. The Farm to Fork will be one of the first times that the that DG Health, DG Sante, will, will play a really primary role in, in overseeing a lot of legislative and programmatic action in, in the food system. Now, of course, traditionally, they've had a role in terms of, of, of food safety, crop protection, that kind of area. But this is the first time they'll be really much more responsible for a whole productive and consumer side of things, traditionally much more overseen by uh, DG Agri and DG Envy. Do you think that DG Health itself is is ready to institutionally to take the lead on on, on the farm to fork? Well, I think it is in terms of of competence uh, of of the people working there in terms of ambition. Um, of course, in terms of political leverage, DG Health uh, DG Sante is is not the most powerful DG within the Commission, especially. Well, when we compare DG Health with DG Agri, eh, which uh, which is one of the more powerful, uh, but in the end, I think the problem is not within the Commission. Uh, so the Commission has, has shown to be the, the the most ambitious, I would say, of the EU institutions. I think the real challenges occur in the current implementation stage, eh, where the farm to fork ambitions need to be well translated into actual legislation, and there I expect the main. Pro- challenges, the main problems to, to occur uh, in, in the Council and in the European Parliament, uh, which over the last years have to have shown to be, well, less progressive, less less ambitious in terms of uh, environmental sustainability uh, and, and, and public health concerns. As I think, sure, uh, DG Health might not be the most powerful DG within the Commission, although I think the, the Green Deal has, has really changed their position in, in a positive sense. Uh, in a positive direction, uh, but I think the the main challenge is for the Commission as a whole to to really well move the member states and and the European Parliament in, in in well in 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 its desired direction. Now, um, as you state in the piece you wrote for for Nature and for our listeners, we'll we'll put a link in the show description so you yourself can read it. It's a good analysis that the idea is that the farm to fork strategy will lead to a more integrated European full-on food policy uh, that is to be proposed by 2023. Now, if we put you and maybe some of your colleagues in charge in charge of writing such a policy, what concrete sort of action items would you begin with? So what I would do first is to uh, to, to clarify these, these long-term objectives, as I just mentioned. Uh, so to give farmers, food producers, other actors in the food chain clarity on what is expected from them towards 2050. Uh, and to also embed these expectations, these objectives in, in binding legislation. Perhaps not just in Europe, but also internationally, uh, because the food system do- does not stop at the European borders. Um, and then secondly, what I would do in terms of instruments, of interventions, is I would reduce support to the status quo and scale up support to, to innovation. So if we look at current budgets, for example, the CAP, most of support still goes to the status quo. Right? Farmers do not have to do 
change their practices that much or, or hardly at all to to receive most of this income support uh, just based on on the amount of hectares of land that they have um, and so i would change the system towards one that incentivizes innovation as well as well the production of public goods uh, such as ecosystem services and then thirdly and i think that's the most challenging step if you want to change the food system it's not sufficient to to develop food policies and uh, you also need to intervene in adjacent systems if I may give an example of, of Paul Polman, uh, who was CEO of, of Unilever until a couple of years ago, uh, and, and who was very ambitious in terms of moving Unilever towards more sustainable practices. But, and the main challenge that, that he faced was not so much, well, getting the people within the company behind his goals and his objectives, but it was getting his, his, his shareholders, uh, often private equity, uh, um, be behind those goals eh? uh, because those were way more focused on, on short-term uh, well, economic gains rather than these long-term uh, sustainability uh, improvements, uh, which, which shows that if you really want to steer the food system, well, these, these big companies in the food chain in a different direction, you, you cannot do so without also intervening in well, the way our financial system, our, our, our ownership structures function. Yes, a food policy is a, food, is, is a first step, which is, which, is, which is key, but you would then, as a, as a follow-up, also need to think about, well, what interventions and adjacent systems would be, would be required to really make this transition towards, well, more sustainable outcomes possible. We're coming up to the end of the podcast, but before I ask the final question, I wanted to briefly return. You've now mentioned several times that, that one of the things that should be done in European policies to set better long-term objectives. So farmers and policymakers have more clarity as to, let's say, goal for 2030 or 2050. What would one of those long-term objectives be for you concretely? I mean, obviously we know the climate neutral by 2050, but is, do you have another sort of, concrete target in mind that that for the long term people should really be focusing on yeah i would again re, uh, like to refer to the uh, the planetary boundaries as well as, as as a social foundation so to say so think about curbing nitrogen emissions uh, we, we we can well make european law on on on, on that um, and biodiversity loss as well as the the labor conditions in the food chain as if we look at the European food system, there's still slavery in, in, in food production. And you, you will perhaps know these images of migrants working in Mediterranean countries in, in, in very difficult conditions. But we see the same in the Netherlands. I mean, even if it's paid labor, it's, it's low wages, it's very difficult labor conditions. So I think we, uh, we need to develop more ambitious legislation to, to make sure that people working on, on, on the food chain in the, in the food chain, um, well, cannot only earn a, a, a fair income, but can also work in, in well, respectable uh, conditions. We're closing out, out our podcast with the, the same question that we ask of every guest that, that comes on. To make the food system more sustainable as a whole, what would be your one idea or one suggestion, as practical as possible, that would really make a difference in the food system? A key challenge is how... If, if we want to change the food system, it means that millions of European farmers and, and consumers need to change their daily practices. And at the same time, these farmers, consumers, retailers are hardly involved in, in decision-making about the food system. 
Um, I think this also explains why so far we've made very little progress. So I very much believe in the concept of food democracy. Uh, the question of how we can involve actors in the food system in political decision making. So I'm, I'm, I get very enthusiastic about all sorts of initiatives that I see emerging at local, national, European level, uh, trying to foster food democracy. And then concretely, I think about food policy councils at local level. Uh, we've seen uh, national citizen summits in France, for example. The Netherlands is currently considering such a summit. Well, and at EU, you could think of a, a similar mechanism to, to, to involve uh, food system actors. Uh, uh, European Economic and Social Committee could play a role in this. Uh, but, but there is still a lot to be done to better involve those people on, on, on whom the transition relies um, in, in, well, in, in, in food policy making. Jeroen Kandel, uh, Assistant Professor of Food and Agricultural Policy at Wageningen University. Thank you very much for joining Food Systems today. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Robert. And I look forward, and I think I hope our listeners are as well, uh, to seeing you live on stage on March 16 at 10.30 uh, for our online event on the Farm to Fork. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at ForumFrag for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day. Mm-hmm.